no money down sells property courses, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's sexy. It bring it brings people to the table, but it doesn't necessarily give you the full stories. Are you a guru, Mark? Would you class yourself as a property guru? I've always aspired to be a good. No, I'm joking. I, I, I sincerely hope not. And we shouldn't overcomplicate it. And that's one of the beauties of working with angel investors, isn't it? That it's, it is simple. The people who don't learn the skill of raising finance yeah. either never get started yeah. or they don't scale. Welcome to the Net Gain Club podcast. In this episode, we're talking all things angel investment. Emily and I talk about our own experiences of raising private finance, and we share some do's and don'ts and some best practice, as well as some of the legal compliance side that you may not have considered. It's going to be a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. So Mark, property gurus often say you don't need any money to invest in property. Is that true? I would say you absolutely do need some money to get started in property. I guess the key thing is whether it's your money. You don't necessarily need your own money. So no money down sells property courses, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's sexy. It, bring, it brings people to the table, but it doesn't necessarily give you the full story. So I think, you you know, there aren't many strategies that I can think of where you don't need any money at all. There are certainly some that you can get into pretty, pretty quickly, pretty easily. But um, really, the key thing is whether it has to be your own money. And that's what I think is exciting about property investment. And when you start to kind of latch on to that idea of angel investment, that that's really where you realize the the secret to being able to scale a property business. So on the topic of gurus, are you a guru, Mark? Would you class yourself as a property guru? I've always aspired to be a good. No, I'm joking. I I, I sincerely hope not. Um, I don't think that's a label you give to yourself. So what is a property it's, guru? Some anyway? people must definitely give it to themselves. But no, we are aiming not to ever classify ourselves as that. So I don't think so. That doesn't sit well with me. No, that doesn't sit well. But um, no, I think look, there is a lot of noise out there, yeah. particularly on social media and also in just generally in the property education space. And that's one of the things we're trying to do in these episodes, isn't it? Debunk some of that a little bit. And no money down is certainly a phrase that gets bounded around a lot. So what's been your experience? Do you think that you need money and how how did you get started? You most definitely need some money. Um, Where that money comes from, as you said earlier, is is that's part and parcel of the investment side of it. So from my point of view, We've used angel investing. Now, we talked about this off camera about whether we call it angel investing or private yeah. investors. It's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Um, well, you you call them angels, right? We call it different things, don't we? Yeah, I, I tend to call them angel investors. I'm trying to think off the top of my head whether I've ever called one of my angel investors an angel investor to their faces. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have, but I think, yeah, I think I use that, but I think you prefer the term private finance. Yeah, you? I use either private finance or private investors. Um, for me, that it just seems less of an obstacle for them to think that it's something off Dragon's Den. Is it a bit less gimmicky? I, I would say. For me, it is. Yeah. Um, but then everyone's got their own personality. So again, you can call it whatever you want in reality, so yeah. do it suits you. But yeah, um, we we most definitely have used angel and private finance from the get-go. Hmm. And it's one of these things we always say that you're going to need to learn to raise money at some point in your yeah. investment career. Yeah. Whether that comes from, you know, raising from a bank, institutional lending, 
um, or from private finance. We'll probably talk about which one we prefer and mm. why we prefer it, the difficulties yeah. with each. Yeah. Um, but certainly from my point of view, let's define what an angel investor I was say, is. For, for anyone listening that isn't familiar with the terms we've used already, maybe we should define what an angel investor actually is and how they can benefit your business and just as importantly, how what we do can benefit them because that's the key to all of this, isn't it, really? Yeah. So for me, a private investor is someone who lends you money for your business, for your investment business. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And yeah. who they are yeah. is so vast. Yeah. You can't categorically say it's this type of this person or this type of this person. It's as simple as it could be a family member who has money sitting around doing nothing that they lend to you yeah. in a certain time frame for a certain return. Um, and there's due diligence and stuff to go on, which I'm sure yeah. we'll cover as well. But essentially, they lend you the money, you pay them back at the end of the agreed term or reinvest again. Yeah. And that's it in its most simplest form. Yeah, and we shouldn't overcomplicate it. And that's one of the beauties of working with angel investors, isn't it? That it's, um, it's, it, it, is, it, is, it is simple. And I guess one of the stumbling blocks that people at least feel the perception of a stumbling block they have when they first start out is, why would anyone mm -hmm. do that though? Why would anyone lend me money when I'm just starting out my property journey? I don't have a portfolio that I can showcase and evidence of proof of concept and all that sort of thing. And I think people feel, and I remember feeling that to mm -hmm. be fair, I remember feeling that. And I know when we got started, we used, we actually released some equity from our home. And I do wonder in hindsight, actually, whether sometimes I think having access to a bit of your own money uh, can help. I think that can um, uh, grease the wheels to a certain extent and it, it can buy you a little bit of credibility. You know, why would, it's easier to ask someone to invest in you if you've invested yourself, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, but I don't but think- But is it? Actually, that's a mindset I've thing. used perception a few times, okay. right? And I, I think I'm looking back and that's kind of how I felt. And I wonder whether that's made me slightly lazy actually. I would agree um, because you, when you coach students getting into property, they, they generally come from one of two camps. They have some money or they have no money. Yeah. And the ones that have no money are not enough, let's say that way, um, to, to, to go through the process of a yeah. refurb, a purchase and all that. They will work so much more harder than the people who have some money, maybe still yeah. not even quite enough money. Yeah. But there's... It, there is this pressure that if you don't have money, you, you, you have no other choice. You've got to go out and find money. Yeah. And if someone comes to me and says, well, I've got a pot of 10K, don't touch it. Keep yeah. that. Keep that as you're yeah. your, in your back pocket for a rainy day. Something mm. happens. Your refurb goes over by a couple of K. You've got that pot. Yeah. Don't use it if you possibly can. Yeah. So people might find that quite interesting to hear that we're actually turning uh, not having money on its head into potentially a positive mm -hmm. and that it makes you hungry it makes you more determined and I use the word lazy maybe it's not lazy but comfortable yeah. you know and the thing is you know even if you've got access to um, I mean if you've got you know endless uh, access to a credit line that's a little bit different but who has that let's face it so if you've got a little bit of a pot of cash um, you can't stay comfortable for very long. Exactly. And that's what we found. If you want to scale, if you want to achieve your financial security within the kind of timeframes that we're all realistically interested in, let's be honest, then angel finances is, is well, it's it's a must really, but it's it's certainly one of the key ways I think that, that you can start to scale things. I mean, we dropped 
that initial pot of money we had into our first deal um, and very quickly found ourselves scratching our heads going, okay, that's great, but now what? You know, that's we're still a long way off being where we need to be. And, you know, the only solution to really scaling was was to go out and attract angel investors. But coming back to that point, the perception, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that fear that I think we naturally and understandably have about approaching people for money when we don't have an established track record is is our own hang up, right? That's 100 percent. I mean, we got the benefit of hindsight here. We're looking back on when we first started, but maybe that'll help people just starting out. Say, look, 100%, get out of your own way. Controversial opinion here. I think that the people who don't learn the skill of raising finance either never get started because they don't have the funds to begin with and therefore they just can't get over that first stumbling block and they're too scared to do it. So they they don't get out the starting blocks. Yeah. Or those who bought their first deal with their own money because they had it, it was easy. They don't scale. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say that counts for everyone. I'm sure there are people who have have managed to have done it yeah. and got over that bit and yeah, yeah. dealt with it. But if if you do not r- get to that point of b- having the ability to go and raise money, because you need to ask for money, whether you're asking it from a bank, yeah. which to a lot of people seems less scary. Yeah. I would suggest it's not. Um, you can hide behind the forms and the, yeah. the the computer says no kind of process, and you know it's it's not it's well, not within your control. As long as you tick some boxes, yeah. they're going to say yes, exactly. And that's what people are scared of. They don't yeah. want someone to say no, yeah. Or they hear no two or three times, yeah. and they go, it doesn't work, yeah. And you just don't want it enough, yeah, hundred percent. And it and it can be particularly scary sometimes about you know who are we talking about here and I know that our uh, our list of angel investors uh, is almost exclusively uh, people that we know close family friends and we've kind of grown out from that network so on the one hand it's not a, it's not a dragon's den situation or it certainly never has been for us where we're we're sort of doing a, a full pitch if you like to people we've never met but equally I think uh, it can sometimes be scary as well when it's people that are close to you, but at least they've crossed that bridge of no like and trust before it gets to that point. Absolutely. So I think from from my point of view in there, it's it's a necessary skill. If you're getting into property yeah. or you're already in property and you're you know this is you're gonna know if you fit into yeah. this bracket. If you want to be successful, you have to get over yourself. You hundred percent have to get out there, not be scared of no because I mean, Mark's, people still tell us no. Yeah. We just then go, okay, no for now. Let's find a way around it or let's go for another solution. Do you know what though? And I, I sometimes feel that, um, you know, people don't believe it when, when I say this, but I feel like I never ask for money. I, I feel like the, the, maybe the first time, maybe the first time felt like I was asking for money. We approached a, a close family member mm-hmm. and that did feel like, um, although we we still delivered, we did it all professionally. We delivered a fantastic return. It was on a, a you know um, a, a legal agreement. Everything was the way it should be. Um, but it it felt like a favour. It felt like a you know here here's a leg up. Here's some support for you, which is amazing. And we we all need that sometimes. But since that point, I genuinely and I I, I don't think it should ever feel like you're asking for money. This is not about going out there with a begging bowl and saying please fund my property empire. Because when you realize, and we've got so many case studies ourselves now of people that genuinely benefit from the returns that we're able to provide, that they're, they're just not able to get, particularly you know, with, with inflation the way that it is, they're just not able to achieve those returns anywhere else. 
So we're, we're genuinely helping people. And it's not just trying to put a spin on it to satisfy our conscience and make us feel better. We genuinely are. And so I don't feel like I'm asking people for money. I feel like I'm bringing them an opportunity, genuinely. But it I is said genuinely a lot there, didn't I? But it is hard to get <laughs> your mindset around that when it's your first deal because let's face it, yeah. you're raising money because you need it. Yeah. And need is the worst time to be raising money. So yep. another controversial thing here. Yeah. We've all heard the saying get the deal and the money will come. Yeah. I don't believe that is the right exactly the right way to do it. I think finding deals and getting pokers and fires right from the outset is necessary. There's no point having all the money ready and not a deal. Yeah. There's no point having a deal and no money because yeah. you get desperate and people people can see instantly yeah. when you are asking for money. Yeah. So find a way to poke both fires and you have to go for it. Yeah. You can't you can't go half arsed into it yeah. because you need those two things to land at the same time which means do you know what it's hard yeah it's bloody hard to get those two things to line up yeah but if you've been out there you've been putting you know different touch points out there on your social media you've been showing what you're up to yeah. the chances are much more likely that you're going to have something because the worst thing you can do and i know there'll be many people listening to this that are guilty of it so take this as your yeah. get out and do it <laughs> is they don't put anything on social media mm. about property mm. until I've got a deal who wants to invest with me. Yeah, and 100%. It's as close to multi-level marketing <laughs> feeling there as you're going to get from anything else. Like, I believe it happens. We've both had our backs to the wall and had to raise money pretty quickly. So oh, yeah. I, I believe it happens, but it's not ideal. That's that's not plan A yeah. as such. Like, uh, you know, if someone has landed a deal and that they've not, got funding lined up like don't panic you know there are ways that we can we can create a bit of urgency amongst investors and, and we can do that but like you said we're always raising money but you right? can only do that urgency if you've got some people who are knowing who know what you're up to at that stage yeah you've got to build your audience i guess a little bit and people need to understand what you're doing and so yeah i think so what you're probably alluding to is people who are just starting out mm. on their journey and say, yeah, yeah, I, I will I will definitely get around to posting on social media when I've got a deal. Yeah. And you do get that a lot. So I've got nothing to post about. You know, what? once I have something to post about and it's all right for you, you know, you've got loads of stuff you can be talking about. But yeah, you need to be, you know, all, all the... That the activity that we we all put in that was front loaded in order to create that momentum, we need to be shouting from the rooftops about that because who's going to come with you on that journey? Who's going to put their own hard earned savings on the line unless yeah. they can they can see you know evidence of what you're doing? So and the effort you're doing if you're going up, traveling two three hours plus every week, every second week that's a lot of effort that shows that you're committed to it and people want to see that commitment before they give you 10 20 30 100,000 pounds yeah you you've got to think of it from their point of view about why they would do it so why do you, why do you like working with angel investors then what is it about angel investors that you know is your I'm probably safe in saying your preferred method yeah. of funding a deal if you get us as a why For why sure. do you like that i like it there's there's many reasons why I like it so predominantly I like I have a control over it to an extent mm. as in I know I have investors lined up so I know the money is there when I need it yeah I know I can fund deals I know I have flexibility I yeah. know because like, here's an example we had a flip that we were selling angel total angel investor funded it and this was 
um, this flip went live, oh, I don't know, just before COVID. Now, I'd actually postponed this flip from the refurb because I was pregnant and very, very ill. So the situation was there that I was probably a good couple of months behind where we wanted to be. Mm. And I'd agreed a one-year term of an angel. And I thought, no, this gives us plenty of time to do it. But we launched it two weeks before COVID. Yeah. And of course, I'm then going, I don't know if this is going to sell. I don't know yeah. what we're going to do. And I was panicking. Now, if I was on a bridging loan, yeah. I would have had my back up against the wall and I would have been paying an extortionate yeah. extension fee. Yeah. And because they weren't caring that COVID had happened, mm. that's their business. They're there yeah. to make money. And I, yeah, I panicked for sure. I panicked yeah. and I probably was, I was pregnant. I was emotional anyway, so that didn't help. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I really had this concern that yeah. what was I going to do? And yeah. my first thing was I phoned up her angel and I yeah. said, this is, this is where we're at. Yeah. And she, her answer was, oh, we'll just extend it. I mean, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. If, you, yeah, yeah. if you're happy to extend it, we'll continue the term on the yeah. current interest. And I knew we were going to make a nice profit yeah. off of it. Um, from that point of view, she's like, well, what else am I going to do with my money? Yeah. Because if, if, if the market shut down, if you're happy just to hold it, we'll get a buyer eventually. Yeah. If you can afford it. She asked me if we could afford it. Yeah. Um, and we had that agreement. Yeah. And you can have the conversation, can't you? you Which can. you can't have with any other lending institution. Not that we should take advantage of any oh, no. investors. That was obviously a very specific yeah. situation that nobody saw coming. But shit happens. Because the bottom line is, if you raise angel finance the way that we suggest people raise angel finance, i.e. speaking to people that know, like, and trust you already, mm -hmm. then then that relationship is there, isn't it? And you can have that. that, that there is that flexibility. I think that's, that's the word. And I guess, um, you know, looking at your options, because there's always the option to go for something like a bridging loan. Mm -hmm. So I know when we first started out, and I remember distinctly when I was, uh, I got educated in property um, seven years ago or so, and I was introduced to the concept concept of angel investing. And I thought, okay, that sounds interesting. Sounds scary. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to do everything I can to avoid doing that for a while, which is what happened. Not for very long, but um, but I thought, yeah, I can see how that would work. I can see how that would scan. And, um, you know, you, you ask a friend or family member if they've got some savings that they can lend to you. And that sounds straightforward enough. Do I need a legal contract? Oh, you probably need one of those. Yeah. And that was it. Mm -hmm. So... I guess, you know, I came into it thinking, well, great, the beauty of angel investment is I don't have to jump through all the legal loopholes that come with bridging and mortgages and everything else. I get them to sign on this napkin I've got here and well, jobs are good. And, but that's not, no, that's not how the way to do it, is it? Absolutely not. And that's what's not taught. They don't teach you that. They stuff. don't. Now, there's two reasons why it's not taught very clearly. Um, one, is that the people teaching it actually don't know the rules. Yeah. Well, teaching angel investing in general, they don't know the legal requirements. They yeah. haven't read the legislation. Yeah. They don't understand what FCA, so the Financial Conduct yeah. Authority, require of people when it yeah. comes to investing, what you can and can't do, what you can and can't say. Yes. And of course, there isn't necessarily legal precedent to say this is how you onboard an angel investor, but there are two. there's two things here. There's Financial Conduct Authority and anti-money laundering. Yep. Yeah. They're not sexy is the second no. point. Nobody wants to sit in a course, unless you're sitting with one of our courses, um, <laughs> where you're told that stuff because it doesn't put bums on seats. It yep. doesn't bring in the money. 
and it, and it needn't be scary and maybe that's why it isn't taught is that people think uh, training companies will think that they're going to scare people off that they want to make this look as as, as quick and easy as possible um and, and it needn't be scary a lot of this stuff is common sense and it's designed to protect you and it's designed to protect your investors and that's really important these are these are friends and family members. And I know when I speak to some of our students about angel investors, you know, some of them do struggle with the, the stress and the worry of paying back mm -hmm. their loved ones, as it were. And this is designed to, to protect you on that and to help you with that and give you that peace of mind, right? Yeah, it's it's there. So you've, you've obviously got loan agreements. So that's yeah. one thing. I definitely think you want to be speaking to solicitors to make yeah. sure that you're happy with your loan agreements. And yeah. they can change, you know, yeah. as you change businesses, as you scale and you get more complicated, you know, you're going to be able to afford to pay a yeah. solicitor to yeah, get yeah. that sorted out. Um, but especially when you start to invest with people that maybe aren't your immediate family, you, you want to have that lockdown. What happens if you pass away? What happens yeah. if the investor passes away? Like yeah. there's things you've got to consider there. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's the case as well that if you don't go through the proper legal process with anti-money laundering, guess what? You're an accessory to a crime. If that mm. person did happen to be drug smuggling, trafficking, whatever use of crime is, yeah. you're jointly liable. Yeah. So it's scary, but it's simple. Yeah. And I think that's the point. There, there are just certain processes you can go through to know, to get the right people involved, get yeah. your solicitor, your power team involved in that funds checking because yeah. you're not going to go and get yourself anti-money laundering registered just to take on some angel investors. And the way that we most commonly come across anti-money laundering, they're not we're not trying to scare people here. They're not genuinely looking into whether or not you're running some, you know, some money laundering kind of a racket. Um, it's nothing like that. They're, they're, but the banks themselves or the lenders themselves mm -hmm. are required to um, establish the, the 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 flow of money and and there's where that money's come from and and the the what's the word I'm looking for like trace the yeah. the history of proof those of funds, funds. Yeah. yeah proof of funds they're required to do that and um, I know when this really came to light for us most significantly because in many ways you purchase property and you think oh, I'm in the clear now like uh, you know I funded that to angel finance didn't seem to cause a problem brilliant job done yeah. then we came to refinance the property yeah you know and at that point suddenly the lenders are going um right can you let us know where you got the deposit funds for to buy it and we were kind of like no like that's not you know that happened ages ago that's none of your business but no they're required to go back and actually establish how you funded the deal even if it's a totally different lender and that's that's where these things can actually come back again. And you've got to make sure that your solicitor and your broker and everybody in your power team, I mean, they're on your side, right? They're your team, full disclosure. Mm -hmm. They need to know everything about where you've got the funds from, who they are, you know, and, and, and we had to sort of like track it back and, you know, give give quite a bit of detail actually yes. around the angel investors that were involved in that project. And this is a newer development mm. i mean it's always probably been a requirement but whether yeah. or not they've gone to that detail it's just ramped up i think it, isn't it? it has yeah. and you still have a lot of people out there saying oh it's no problem angel investor everything now it isn't a problem but as you said you've got to let your broker know your broker's yeah. going to let you know actually can i get a letter from your solicitor with yeah. all that information yeah if you've collected that information they legally have to hold on to it for like seven years so you have that information. If you do it correctly in the first place, you're going to stop your headaches down the line because yeah. it's. you'll have some brokers that say you cannot now buy with Angel Finance. You can. You yeah. just need to make sure 
uh, you tick the right boxes. And for yeah. them, having a conversation with my broker, because as soon as this came up, I said, is it to do with them trying to slow down lending yeah. to investors or is it actually anti-money laundering? And it's the latter, yeah. as for all intents and purposes, whether yeah. there's a little bit of the former, I don't know. Yeah. But it is there about anti-money laundering and and the security and safety. Yeah, yeah. So you've you've got to you've got to know what the process is to be able to do that. But going back to why we like to use angel investors, I think for me, um, I find it rewarding, mm-hmm. genuinely. Which I I feel strange saying that because I do I still totally remember when it felt like a scary thing that I was trying to avoid at all costs, and I genuinely find it rewarding. And I I now no i've got first-hand experience of the fact that um you know when we try and pay back an angel investor they get a bit shirty about that so what are you doing get back out there go find another property i'm not getting this return anywhere else so go make me more money yeah exactly and as soon as you you know genuinely sometimes you do feel like you're sourcing um deals for your investors to keep your investors happy yeah yeah yeah. so i i find it rewarding and i also i think it comes down to a line, I said line, that makes it sound really disingenuous, but a, a line I use with our investors a lot, which hand on heart is totally true, which is I like to tell them that this deal, the deal that we're looking at is fully funded. And let's face it, 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 it almost certainly is. Like you you can almost certainly get 100% bridging loan. You're probably going to pay through the nose for it, but you can get lending on anything really. Um This episode is brought to you by NPP Developments, your go-to partner for seamless renovation, construction and land development projects. Whether it's a small refurbishment or a grand construction of an investment property, they'll make your vision a reality while staying within your budget. With expert knowledge and a friendly approach, NPP Developments crafts projects to perfection tailored to your specification. Their dedicated project managers guide you every step of the way, ensuring transparency and quality. To find out more, visit northernpropertypartners.com forward slash podcast. But what I say to them, which is true, is I would much rather give these returns to you as my friend or my family member or my colleague or whatever it is. I'd much rather you saw the benefits of that than some soulless bank or or building... um, uh, bridging loan company <laughs> and that's genuinely true like and, and i'm open about the fact it benefits me i'm open about the fact that it's you know i don't have to if you if you're happy with the returns that we're offering i don't have to pay the entry fees and the exit fees and everything that comes Extra along with the lister fees exactly with with all the all that comes along with the bridging loan so i'm totally open about that of course it's helping me of course it's helping me grow our property business but also i would much rather use all the returns from that and i think when you describe it in that way, not only is it true, but I think it totally changes the dynamic. And I go back to what we first started out talking about. I don't feel I'm asking for money. I genuinely feel like I'm coming with a win-win scenario here that is um, is an opportunity for somebody. And it might not be for everybody. And I'm not worried about getting those. And quite often those people, it's just not now, not not right now. Mm-hmm. You know, And maybe it's something that they revisit Maybe they need to see you do a few more deals first. That's normal. That's Everyone's natural. It's different and what they yeah. want to see from you. And it's we, we I talk a lot about personality types of people yeah. in terms of some will just want all the detail and then they're in much quicker than you'd ever expect. Yeah. And as you said, others will just want to sit and wait back and they're more risk adverse. And that's fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. Are you ever surprised by how little information some of your angel investors oh, yeah. require? I'm not 
trying to withhold anything, but I'm always amazed. I'm actually, don't you want to see this? Do you want to know this? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But some of them just want to be part of your journey as you go through. Everyone does it for different reasons. I've had every type of investor from every type yeah. of detail-oriented kind of like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to happen? I, I, we've picked up a full stop in the wrong place. I'm pulling my hair out. I just need to get this money over the yeah. line. To someone just saying, here, have the money. And I'm, they don't want to sign a loan agreement, which, okay, I'm going to say raises questions for me as to why yeah. they don't want to... A few red flags, yeah. potentially. But it, it genuinely came yeah. down to the fact that, like, oh, I just don't want the hassle. And mm. actually, with you, if you if you just, if I know what I'm doing, then that's fine. I'd much prefer that. So everyone's different. Everyone's yep. reason for investing is different. Yep. Um, nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah. Um, I've got a bit thicker skin. You've, I've been let down many a time, and I yeah. say let down because I've had people get to the point of signing loan agreements, getting sued to the last minute, and a bank manager telling the person who is about to transfer probably close to quarter of a million, oh, it's a scam. And they had gone up and looked on company's house to see a company and how yeah. fairly newish at the time it was and just tell them, no, it's a total scam. I mean, I would say that the guy had gone a bit too far. Friends and family in their ear as well saying, do you really want to do this? Sounds dodgy. Yeah. You know. I had to let that go because yeah. they'd signed a contract. Mm. But at the end of the day, I, it almost jeopardized the deal. But mm. oh, what am I going to do? I can't. Yeah. Have you ever turned away someone's money? Have you ever said no to an angel investor? Has ever has someone not been the right fit for you? Um, I don't think I've ever got to the point where it's actually... I was going to say, it's never got that far. It's never got that far. Yeah. There are people that, for sure, I know they're not interested in investing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a nosiness element. That's cool. Yeah, I actually yeah. have a form before yeah. you get any details. Yeah. Someone just says, I'm just nosy. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather know that. Mm. Um, I would say that... I would just know that I just know they're not going to invest. Yeah. But that's okay. That's totally cool. I'm not bothered by that. Yeah. And everyone's got different reasons to get involved, haven't they? And yeah. what, you know, different, and, and that's part of what you, you the skill, I guess, of uh, engaging an angel investor is to find out what those pain points actually are. And we've, we've got a couple of investors um, currently investing in deals with us who um, genuinely, and they're, they're open about this, they tell us this. They live vicariously through us. <laughs> they would love to do what we're doing. For whatever personal, professional reasons they've got, they can't, won't, don't want, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But they absolutely love getting the updates on the projects. And, you know, they genuinely, and they get so excited by all the projects we're doing. <laughs> I'm um, more excited than you are. Like, yeah, <laughs> deal with the yeah we're the ones pulling our hair out. But no, they think it's great because they only get the highlights. <laughs> and they get a little bit of uh, passive income at the yeah. end of the day. So... Yeah, everyone's different. And then, you know, equally, you know, we've got angel investors who um, always make us a little bit uh, jumpy because, you know, they'll want to have a, you know, I need, I, need to, I need to have a chat. I need to, I need to speak to you. Last minute panic. Yeah, or, wanna, yeah. <laughs> I've got a, a loan agreement that's uh, coming up for renewal or whatever. Can we have a chat and no context around that? You're like, oh, here we go, you know. Um, and, um, you know, I th I reckon that's I got, I'm thinking of one investor as you can probably tell. It's probably happened two or three times when we've sat down with them and we've started to think, right, you know, we're going to need to, you know, find a different funding source for this project or whatever. And they've actually sat down and asked us a lot of quite um, uh, in detail questions. And then they've said, yeah, great, no, okay, okay, um, I've got another fifty k, <laughs> and you just 
could you not have told me that from the outset? You know, that would have changed the conversation. You do jump through hoops. But then, yeah. as you said, everyone's different. Everyone yeah. does things in their own different way. And it's people. That's yeah. the thing. Angel investing is people. I prefer it because I'm a people person. Yeah. So I would much rather deal with people than a bank. And therefore, you have to deal with everyone's chat. Because it's a, it's a lot to ask to invest money with someone, even if you've got a, a track record. You know, obviously we put ourselves out there enough to hopefully say that we, you know, we're, we're mm. obviously going to try and honour every single thing that we do. So um, it's, I understand their nervousness and yeah. I take that with an understanding of where they're coming from as opposed yeah. to my feelings. And I yeah. think if you are starting out, if someone says no to you, think of it, it's not necessarily about you, it's about yeah. where they are and what they're looking for. Yeah. And that, that ties that background to that whole point of it's... It, it, you've got to think about the other person. You've got yes. to think about what you're asking for, what it means to them, what the situation is. As you said, yeah. pain points earlier. It's 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 different, and you, you've got to be aware of that. And that's why, and you alluded to it earlier, the 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 best money raising I feel we've ever done has been when we didn't need the money, mm. uh, like we didn't have a project urgently that we needed to raise money for. Because what that allows you to do, I think you come across a little bit differently in the conversations. It allows us to genuinely focus on the benefits to the investor. There's not that like Pressure. desperation. To, mm -hmm. You're not you're not perspiring during the conversation, thinking, "Please give me this money," because if you don't, I can't move on this deal. Yeah. Um, and that's the danger of leaving it last minute, isn't yes. it? Um, but I think, yeah. Uh, definitely, I would say actually our best money raising has happened when we haven't urgently needed the funds. But what's one of the the things that you wish you had known? So when you when you first started out, what's what what would you wish? Now looking back with hindsight, mm. what do you wish you'd known? I think it's less of a a known because I mean that's one of the things I went really in depth in. Yeah, because I wanted to know the ins and outs, the legalities. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the stuff that I feel I yeah, need yeah. to know. It's more about a lot of the process. I figured out because no one told me what the process was. Yeah, I did a lot of figuring that yeah. out myself, and yeah. actually, that's something that we've put together a really good process doc yeah. for free. Yeah, that helps people go through that. Um, and part of that process is things like, you know, angel investor statements. Yeah, that is my biggest time sink. Because yeah. I do the monthly, I yeah. now have uh, a VA helping me with that because yeah. that's one thing I promised and that's something my investors are used to. And I probably did it in a very manual way and it has got on top of me at times. There's is, that just, is that just a financial statement yeah, or is it uh, info about the project, how it's we going? We do both. Okay. We do both. So we have a financial statement. I'm always trying to streamline it in a way that I want to give personal updates to mm. my investors, but I also can't spend... My whole time, if I've got mm. tens of investors, I can't spend my whole time doing it. So I my, I do have a VA involved in that process now, but I do wish yeah. I had set it up in a more efficient yeah. way so that if you then think forward going, I'm going to have 20, 20, 30 investors, how am I going to communicate to them? Because yeah. actually you spend more time sometimes with your investors with 10, 20K than you do with your yeah. investor with 200K. So that's true. you don't know that at the time, but yeah. I think that's something if I'd really understood that process, I would have set it up better from the yeah. beginning. So start with the end in mind. Yeah. Absolutely. I think for me, it would be, I, we scale pretty quickly when we first started out. And um, I think having more discipline around 
attaching angel investment to specific projects mm. because we we stacked one project on top of another it became sometimes quite challenging to keep track of the flow of money and whose money had actually landed where because it had been recycled through and that's what our model's all about isn't it by yeah. refurbish refinance but i think um having again it comes down to processes and, and having a more disciplined process around and, and a long-term angel who is happy to deposit money with you and allow you to deploy that as you see fit is brilliant mm -hmm. but equally you need to track where that money is at any given time because if they do then need that money back you've got to make sure that isn't going to cripple a project that you're working on so being a little bit more disciplined around that side i think because that really also helps with your exit because yes at, you know we, we are still raising money you're still raising money we're always looking at new projects but equally you know you start to have half a mind towards deleveraging at some point and you know when angels are attached to specific projects that's a lot easier because it's it's self-contained within that buy refurbish refinance they're paid on the refinance you're not leaving much if any of their money left in the deal and then you can either choose to re-engage with them on the next project or you know they, they take their returns and, and off they go so i think for me that's just having that discipline of yeah just keeping track of the money flow i think as you go through angel investment we like it we love it yeah it's crucial if if you're stuck on that bit then get out there try it yeah get out there talk to people tell them what you're doing and you'll find a way to increase start scale yeah. your property investment journey yeah take take a leaf out of our book don't be scared of it you know this is something that if you're going to scale I think it's a crucial tool in your toolbox, isn't it? I think people have really got to embrace that as early as possible within the journey so that you can you can grow and scale. Okay, Mark, we're going to play Would You Rather. Okay. Would you rather angel finance or bridge a deal? For me... It's 100% angel finance. I think for all the reasons we've talked about, I just think uh, it's it's like there is legal safeguarding we need to put in place, but still the reality is it's quicker, it's easier, it's more flexible. And also you've got to repeat that process with a bridging loan, right? When you come to the next deal, whereas often when you have engaged an angel investor, they're happy to then roll on to the next deal and you may well have secured yourself an angel investor Maybe not for life, but for as long as you, you need to use those funds. So, yeah, Mine. angels angels all the way. Mine is absolutely angels. Yeah. Preferred all the way. Yeah. Don't particularly like using bridging, but if you need to, then actually it you can. And potentially if you're going into bigger development stuff, yeah. then it can be useful to have a nice bridging lender. 100%. I'll tell you what my approach to bridging is, though, actually, is to secure it or work with a broker to know what your options are exactly have it in your back pocket and do everything you can not to use it <laughs> no genuinely like we've even with development finance we've done big projects where the loans are the loan amount is released to you in tranches and we've spent the duration of the project continually trying to raise more angel finance so that at the end we can go to that effectively bridging company and say actually we don't need any more yeah you know we've got angels to cover the last bit so yeah have it in your back pocket but then Angels is the preferred route. Absolutely. Next question. Would you rather have one big investor on a deal or lots of smaller investors on a deal? That's a really good question. Mm. That's a Does it matter? One. That's a tough one. I don't, I don't think it matters. Like at the end of the day, it's it's 
raising the money from wherever you can get it. I guess one big investor is going to be easier. There's less paperwork involved. You're not having to repeat that process so many times. I do quite like having multiple investors in a deal, though, um, if only because it it means that I've got a bit more flexibility. Like, it's probably not such a big amount. Like, if a big investor comes in and then they have a change of heart or something changes, that's, you know, jeopardizing the deal unless you can replace that. Smaller investors are easier to replace and cycle through and... Also, it means that, you know, you can potentially re-engage with them in different ways and different projects. I like the flexibility of that. But what about you? I I just like the less hassle of having one big <laughs> investor. I'm not going to lie. But I understand the impact that some of the smaller investors that yeah. we can make to them. So yeah. I'm always happy to take on an investor. Yeah. But if I have one big investor that's going to work with us on the project, communication is the key. Yeah. So if they're in the deal, they're in the deal. Yeah. You have an agreement. So yeah. you're not going to pull it out before the yeah. end of the requirement. But you keep communicating with that investor yeah. and therefore you know if they're going to then go on to the next deal or the next deal. Yeah, I guess you know what you know though as well, right? Like we we haven't been in that situation very often where we've had one big investor who can invest. So we're quite familiar with having lots of investors investing more modest amounts and that's kind of what we're used to and um comfortable with that kind of model so and that's one of the great things about angel investors we're not sat here neither of us are sat here with a rich network of millionaire buddies no you know this is you know we've bought hotels where we've had investors who invested 5k 10k so there's a lot know, of admin that goes into there's a lot of admin <laughs> and i know you i think you have a minimum investment amount, yeah. don't you yeah you know, just to cut that down and, and to be fair so do we usually but sometimes needs must right and <laughs> there, there's needs must but there's also if you know we've we've if it's someone we know very yeah. well then the minimum investment kind of goes out the window because w yeah we know what it means to them to yeah. invest so. and you shouldn't that's true that's a good point you shouldn't get blase and it is it is you know possible if you've got investors investing 100k 200k 250k to get blase about the person mm. who's only invested 10k but for them that could be everything absolutely the person who's investing 250k might have millions in the bank mm -hmm. and it's like it's pocket change down the side of the sofa to them but for an investor who is not that we recommend someone empties their entire savings pot into your course, deal yeah but we shouldn't get blase about the smaller amounts that can be everything to some people absolutely and make a huge impact so we have quite a few people that have invested their pension lump sums yeah and they don't have to go back to work because yeah. they can live off that monthly Generation interest income absolutely 100%. last question would you prefer investors that you know or complete strangers okay 100 percent investors i know for for me um that 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 does represent our investor family if mm -hmm. you like their family their friends their colleagues 90 percent of them are people that we knew prior to getting into property um not all of them but where they're not they've often come from referrals or recommendations from other investors so we've kind of grown out from that point and that just taps into um this whole piece around um giving friends and family members and loved ones that the benefit in giving them involving them in, in what you're doing Absolutely. um that's not to say if some you know if some rich angel investor is out there right now that wants to uh, <laughs> lend us a couple of 
give us a credit line of a couple of million pounds on the next deal. I'm wow. happy to have the conversation. The point of this podcast, Mark, is not for you to be trying Sorry. to find something out from millionaires. <laughs> we can edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, for me, I'm going to go into my compliance mode. There's a lot. I mean, you still have to do the same compliance on someone you know versus yeah. someone you don't know. So when yeah. you're, you can, and it can be frustrating for the people you know going, Sometimes oh. it feels even more important to do that. Well, maybe. Um, For me, if someone randomly approached me off of social media, I have no idea who they are. I'm not in any circles of them. I'm going to have red alarm bells, red red flags. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's, I'm going to think, okay, mm, there's such a high chance here that this is dodgy. Yeah. As you said, everyone who invests with us is someone that I've worked with. Yeah. A previous client, they're yeah. a family member, they're an extended yeah. family member, they're a friend of a family member. You yeah. know, it, there's always a connection, and we still go through the same due diligence. But if I've known them, if I've met that person face to face, well, there's a anti-money laundering check part in there. Yeah. Obviously, you have to go through all your ID checks and stuff anyway. But if I've met them face to face, that does just tick that box that little bit more. You can sit and you can have a conversation. Yeah. And chances are you're going to know a little bit about their situation and you're going to know what's what's yeah. going to suit them. Yeah. And they're going to automatically have that little bit more desire yeah. to work with you. Yeah. And they're not going to want to let you down by suddenly pulling the plug or 100%. going from there. So but we yeah. can also, um, and we probably don't have time to cover this in this episode. There's so much we could cover on this topic, um, but we can control to a certain extent the quality of the leads we get through social media by what we're putting out there if what we're putting out there is a little bit spammy and a little bit salesy and a little bit pitchy then that's probably the inquiries you're going to get and i know neither of us neither of us go down that route and and it's much more about bringing people along for the ride and just uh, you know opening a door into what you're doing and then that's when i think people have a genuine um you know want to be part of what you're doing Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please don't forget to like and follow to make sure that you never miss a release. And if you're interested in finding out more about the Net Gain Club, please head on over to our website, netgainclub.com, to find out all about our membership benefits and the events that we've got coming up. I got high hopes